A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to the Billboard Chart Beat Podcast. Trevor Anderson here, a chart manager here at Billboard, joined by Gary Trust, Billboard's co-director of charts. We want to thank you for joining us on another episode of the Chart Beat Podcast, where we find out why what's on the charts is on the charts. All right, uh, before we flash back, looking at some of the uh, big moments across Idol on the Billboard charts, uh, we'll take a sneak peek at what's happening this week on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, if you've been somewhere out of commission for the past month or so um you have missed the monumental god's plan by drake which is uh sitting atop the hot 100 for a sixth week in a row uh, it's been a streaming monster even by drake standards this is a you know a completely another league um with the video coming out a few weeks ago really helping the cause up this week again we're sitting up above the 90 million threshold which is something that only drake's god's plan and bowers harlem shake have ever been able to achieve so this is just I mean, territory that is that is enormous, and Drake just keeps week after week setting new records for himself. Yep, 92.8 million U.S. streams in the tracking week makes it the fourth biggest streaming week ever. And two of them, as you just said, belong to Harlem Shake. Two of them now belong to God's Plan. So, uh, absolutely historic levels each week it's uh, being a part of. And if you're tired of God's Plan, uh, there's some new action shaking up the runner-up spot, so maybe a challenger that Drake will have to fend off in the coming weeks. Post Malone's Psycho, uh, featuring Ty Dolla Sign, debuting at number two. Uh, huge first week for that as well. Streaming, uh, actually doing a, a big part of the lifting as well, pulling over 50 million streams for the week for Psycho. Um, now, of course, we saw the damage that Post Malone can do on the Hot 100 at the end of last year with the song Rockstar, which actually also debuted at number two. Uh, believe it or not, actually had fewer streams in its first week than Psycho, so Post opening some are getting bigger and bigger so the Post Malone fan base is out there growing and Rockstar as we all know went on to have eight weeks at number one um, so with Psycho starting up in the runner-up spot and again there's no momentum loss for Post Malone at all and even though we're not sure what's going on with the album when it might be coming out we know there's some tour dates coming up in a few months so it seems like something's got to be coming out then I mean another number two debut huge news for him 
and uh, Xander in our uh, charts department uh, came up with a cool stat that uh, Post Malone is only the second rapper and only the eighth artist ever to have multiple debuts at numbers one or two on the Hot 100. It joins Eminem, so that's a pretty uh, elite uh, company. And uh, looking ahead to Can uh, Psycho go to number one, uh, this is the 22nd song in the Hot 100's history to debut at number two out of the first 21. 11 of them went to number one. So over half uh, wound up going on to number one. It's case by case. I'm not sure how predictive that is for Psycho, but pretty good odds. Yeah, about a 50-50 shot right there. Uh, Obviously, like we said, he's coming off the heels of a number one single at the end of last year, so things looking pretty good. Um, But, I mean, again, he did, you know, even though, yes, there was Taylor Swift out at the time, yes, Cardi B was up there at the same time, I mean, none of those songs just pull in the consistency in numbers on streaming like Drake can. So, uh, he'll have his work cut out for him, and of course, we'll keep you updated in the coming weeks as to how that race shakes out, and whether, you know, I mean, if Post Malone can topple Drake, that'll be just another indicator of just how big he's gotten in this past year. That was our psychoanalysis. Our intern Meg laughed. I mean, where, in the the, where, where does the guy come up with this? Has yeah. it been, do, you, do you sit on this or do you just does it just come naturally? You can't explain talent like that, Trevor. You can't, I guess you can. It just inspiration strikes how and when it may. All right, well, uh, that will be uh, a little piece on the Hot 100 this week. Not playing the songs, but if you do miss the full recap, head over to Billboard.com, and there's the full the full chart, not even just the top 10, all 100 positions there. Well, instead of uh, this week's top 10, we've got uh, four times that. Uh, if you're an American Idol fan, we've got the top 40 songs by American Idols uh, all time. So uh, what we're doing is over the next couple weeks, because Idol is back this Sunday, March 11th on yes, ABC. If you have missed it in the past year and a half, if you've wondered where your life will go, wonder no more, because ABC is here to save you. Uh, so uh, over the next couple weeks, uh, Idol uh, flashback, because Idol has just been so huge uh, on the Billboard charts, uh, going back uh, 16 years, uh, about 16 years years since uh, 2002 uh, the first season when kelly clarkson was the first winner and a moment like this uh, went right to number one on the billboard hot 100 so uh, so many hits to look back on we figured we do that over the next couple weeks go 40 to number one the biggest hits on the hot 100 by american idol contestants and uh, some guests involved with the show too we'll start this week with uh, our special guest this week scotty mccrary the winner of season 10 in 2011 uh, recently chatted with jim asker uh, and Norbert Nix of his record label uh, in Nashville. So they're coming up as our special guests on the podcast this week as we count down number 40 to number one. Just uh, before uh, we do that, Trevor, uh, earliest memories of Idol. Were you watching from the beginning? Yeah, when it comes to Idol, um, hmm, I must have. I, I know I watched the first season. I don't think I watched it at the very, very beginning. Uh, like I didn't have my calendar set for it or whatever. I was probably, you know, 10 or 11 at the time. Uh, but over the course of the summer, as it became more and more of a thing, um, I, I definitely started tuning in. Probably by the time there was a top 32 or top 24, whatever number they kind of did back then, before it got to the live shows, I remember being invested. And then, of course, when when the live shows, then, you know, they do the whole revamp and the theme weeks and all that kind. I mean, by then, I was definitely into it. Yeah, I wasn't really watching it until uh, 2008 which is about six really? years in. And this is, so when everyone else like stopped watching, yeah. Gary started I, watching. I, I, like to, I like to jump to things afterwards. It's, uh, so you like almost missed, you like almost missed the entire sort of Paula Abdul run. I and missed pretty much 
the, the heyday those first those first few years when it was just Randy Paul and Simon yeah. that was the dream team I, I, I like to get on things when it's a little quieter a little. yeah once we get Ellen DeGeneres and uh, Cara Diaguardi in the yeah. mix that's when Gary shows up shows out but uh, yeah it was the first it was the David Cook season that's when I started watching and uh, yeah I followed it all, all through those judges uh, changes and even to the last uh, last couple seasons so it's back we'll see what it's like uh, coming up Sunday night but in the meantime Let's celebrate all the music that has hit Billboard charts over the years. Again, number 40 to number one. Let's kick it off. The biggest hits by American Idols on the Billboard Hot 100, starting with number 40. Forty through thirty-six, recapping the forty biggest hits by American Idol contestants on the Billboard Hot 100 here on the Billboard Chart podcast. We started at number forty. It makes sense to start with Kelly Clarkson, right? She's the first Idol. So uh, season one winner in two thousand two. That was "Don't You Want to Stay" with Jason Aldean. Uh, obviously, you think of Kelly Clarkson as a pop star, but she's done so many different sounds. That was a number one for three weeks on the Hot Country Songs chart. Uh, she also had a number two hit. Uh, remaking her own uh, Because of You with Reba McIntyre. Uh, she's had number ones in the Hot 100, Billboard 200, uh, Hot Country Songs, Dance Club Songs, Pop Songs. So uh, Kelly Clarkson has really shown uh, format doesn't matter when you have a voice like that. She's been able to do just about every sound. Uh, number 39, uh, going from season one to season 11 in 2012, Philip Phillips. He was the winner of that season. That was his uh, second big hit, Gone, Gone, Gone. A lot of people probably think it's called For You. It's called uh, Gone, Gone, Gone. Uh, number 24, Hot 100 hit in 2013. Uh, number 38, Truth Is from Fantasia. She won uh, 2004, season three. Number 21 hit in uh, 2005. It's number one adult R&B songs hit for 13 weeks. So uh, number 21 on the Hot 100, but a multi-month uh, number one at R&B Radio. Uh, number 37, 
I have a feeling, Trevor, we're going to be saying this name a lot. Kelly Clarkson coming up on this countdown. Uh, the second song from Kelly Clarkson, Catch My Breath, hit number 19 in 2013. I always felt like that song was kind of felt like it was so autobiographical, sort of like how a moment like this kind of you could take it as the moment when she won Idol. The song kind of felt like she'd uh, been in the business for over a decade at this point and Catch My Breath kind of felt like it was confessional that maybe you need a little break at some point. Yeah, the song interesting in a lot of ways because we've seen Kelly Clarkson kind of in a lot of roles throughout uh, the first decade that she had had in the industry. We saw her obviously win Idol, become this huge pop star, but have some some moments of fallout with, with Clive Davis. Um, after her third album didn't do so well, they kind of had that public war of words. Um, a lot of people sort of calling attention to her appearance and how she changed and saying some disgraceful things. So it was, you know, it's a great song, I think, to the point that you made, really for Kelly to just sit back. This song comes out basically at the end of 2012 around when her greatest hits album comes out so really capturing her first decade 2002 2012 and you're right it's just a nice point in time probably for her to hit the reset button have her first greatest hits album get that first chapter of her career out the way and get ready for the next one and number 36 we just heard remind me from brad paisley a duet with carrie underwood he was an established country star since uh, the end of the 1990s and uh you had carrie underwood that's uh, uh brad paisley's had 18 number one uh, hits on the hot country songs chart carrie underwood's now up to 14 so a total superstar power uh, that song uh, number one hit uh, for both of them top 20 hit on the hot 100 in 2011 so uh got some carrie so far some kelly clarkson we're actually gonna hear uh, 14 different idols on the countdown coming up from uh, number uh, 40 so if it seems like there's lots of uh, carrie underwood and kelly clarkson there is but uh, there's lots of other uh, idols not all winners too there's other uh, idol finalists uh, coming up uh, in these 40 songs 26 top tens including seven number ones so again just showing how idol uh, has been so big on billboard charts over the years let's uh, keep going up to number 35 and i look back at the 40 biggest hot 100 hits by american idols
And we're up to number 35 through 31 uh, here, counting down the biggest hits on the Billboard Hot 100 from American Idol alumni. At number 35, we heard... The song Flying Without Wings, as done by Ruben Studdard, who uh, was a season two winner way back in 2003. Uh, so the song was a was a dual-sided single released with uh, a cover of the song Superstar, which actually has been a, a big hit for a couple of times for a lot of different artists. It started as a Delaney and Bonnie song. A lot of people may know the Carpenters version, which actually was a number two hit on the Hot 100. And uh, can Conveniently enough, this superstar, Flying Without Wings double, also was a number two hit on the Hot 100. Kind of go figure that it was blocked from number one by Clay Aiken, who was the runner-up on season two. Right. Uh, so kind of, you know, a little weird there. Doesn't doesn't really help that, that sort of forever conspiracy that there was something with the votes that was messed up and, and Clay should have won. So it doesn't really help that Clay ended up uh, outselling Ruben in that week, but... In any case, you know, Ruben, Ruben got the title, Clay got the number one, so I guess everybody wins a little bit. Um, interestingly, I think Ruben kind of brings um, in a dimension about Idol that that is always, to me, kind of interesting about how it fits in the landscape, is that, you know, you have, you have somebody like Ruben Studdard, a little hard to navigate that landscape after Idol. Um, he did have four top ten albums on the top R&B hip-hop albums chart, but the songs and the momentum never quite got there. R&B was a little... I mean, in, in the years after Ruben won, R&B was, was big for about a year and a half, and then the sound of the landscape kind of shifted to so much hip-hop. Right. It kind of gave way to another pop dance rise, so one of those weird things where we have great vocalists out there like, like Ruben, but maybe it doesn't translate as easily as it does for, say, a Kelly Clarkson, or of course, Carrie Underwood, who kind of has you know the country landscape is always consistent no matter what's really going on in pop music but um you know for some of these r&b stars ruben stuttered fantasia a few others a little a little weird to navigate that afterwards yeah it makes you think of uh, idol and some of these shows that started maybe a decade earlier yeah, the early 90s maybe they all would have uh, coincided with the whitney mariah celine dion era maybe uh might have worked better for some artists who are so uh, more pure r&b I mean, could have been. Um, I will say the timing did work out nicely for one thing. Uh, if you remember Ruben's first post-Idol release, his first debut, uh, I guess his debut song from his first solo album, Sorry 2004, specifically dated to that year. And if you forgot what that song sounds like, don't worry. It'll be coming up a little later on the countdown, so stay tuned for that. All right, number 34, speaking of another R&B winner of, of American Idol, uh, we got I Believe by Fantasia, who uh, was the season three winner, so a year after Ruben in 2004. Uh, I Believe was actually co-written by another uh, graduate of the American Idol program, Tamira Gray, who was the fourth place finisher uh, way back in season one, yeah. the same season Kelly Clarkson competed on, and I Believe uh, actually debuted at number one on the Hot 100, so got Fantasia her very first number one on her first try, and if you remember the landscape of what... I mean, you don't have to even be a charts fan to remember the landscape of music in 2004 because it all was about Usher in that moment. And Fantasia, believe it or not, stopped even the mighty Usher for a week <laughs> at number one. Uh, Usher had been number one for 19 straight weeks going in. Uh, 12 weeks of that was with the song Yeah with Lil Jon and Ludacris. Seven weeks with the song Burn. And Fantasia... Fantasia is the one who gets up there, breaks that for a week, 
and then Usher goes right back to number one with Burn for another week and then Confessions Part 2 follows right after that but you know in that span Fantasia was the only one who could dethrone Usher even if it was just for seven days. Well, I think uh, chart fans know that it, it got to the point in the mid-2000s where we kind of uh, set aside that week every year. We knew right after the Idol finale, there was a good chance because sales were always so huge for these songs that whoever won had a really good chance at debuting at number one. So we knew that week uh, right after the Idol finale at the end of May each year, that was probably the week you were going to see an American Idol song debut at number one with huge sales yeah and um there'll be another one the year after fantasia wins we'll talk about that song a little later also stops another monster song in its tracks at number one in the summer all right uh moving on to 33 we have the song no surprise from daughtry the only uh band of sorts on this list most of the american idol graduates obviously solo artists but Chris Daughtry um, really embracing that rock rock credibility rock credence forms an entire band and they have a, a nice slew of hits we'll talk about some of them uh, coming up at, towards the top of the countdown so just to prove how successful they were but for the song no surprise uh, the lead single from their second album Leave This Town back in 2009 uh, and it was a follow up to I think what many people may not have expected to be such a, a solidly commercially successful debut album Daughtry was the fourth place finisher uh, on season four so I mean for someone to finish in fourth place maybe there's not as much expectation not nearly as much as the winner but to to turn that around and have um, as we'll talk about later a massive massive year um, in terms of album performance is incredible and rock is the one format where you kind of fight that cred battle more than anywhere else so to come from uh, you know what could be considered sort of a pageanty uh, kind of a show like American Idol you're you're kind of fighting that in some ways come from that TV side it, it kind of gives you a little bit more of that commercial look which uh, some of the rock snobs could uh, look down on but they fought that they, they did pretty well they had a nice uh, following rock for a while and uh, I guess some of the rock snobs might might you know sort of roll their eyes at this mention but it is worth pointing out you know no surprise was co-written um, with Chad Kroger and a few others so I know some people will say well Nickelback isn't really you know isn't really rock but enough to where you know an established you know mainstream rock band wants to work with you co-write a song that that's not nothing Right, and switching gears over to country for these last two, uh, we've got a double helping of Carrie Underwood songs at number 32, uh, we're kicking things off with Cowboy Casanova. As I'm sure everyone remembers, Carrie Underwood, the season four winner and who has gone on to be a stellar country star in her own right. Uh, as Gary mentioned, uh, Carrie, 14 number ones to date on the Hot Country Songs chart, Cowboy Casanova becoming the eighth of that. And this is uh, leading in, leading into her third album. So by her by her third album, she'd already had eight number one hits by the time that came out. So that's a huge accomplishment for her. And we'll run through some of those bigger hits from her early albums coming up. Um, but, you know, Karen Underwood also found this great niche, I think, maybe in a cultural moment. She got a lot of those, a couple of those good songs about you know, sort of warning you about, you know, these men who are no good for you, um, you know, has no problem calling out guys for what she sees as sleazy behavior or, you know, somebody who's trying to just play your heart. So, I mean, I think a lot of women grabbed onto that kind of in the same vein as maybe some of that Miranda Lambert, Gunpowder and Lead. I mean, this was a, you know, you know, there was some... Some no holds back, you know. It's, kind a, great, of a, it's a great tradition kind of in, in country music, too. Uh, some of the biggest uh, female stars ever, going back to uh, Loretta Lynn, yeah, to Tammy Wynette. It's, yeah, it's a tradition. Dolly, all yeah. of them, yeah. They, 
they uh, they know how to call it out and just a little more grit I think with with this latest generation with Miranda and Carrie and they took that tradition and and carried it proudly into the next era. All right, and uh, Carrie Underwood again coming up at number thirty one with uh, Jesus Take the Wheel. So a uh, little different sound than maybe a Cowboy Casanova. Um, I mean, a great ballad that really started off her career. Her first uh, her first single from her first album, Some Hearts, way back in. 2006 uh, the song was her first of those 14 number one hits on the Hot Country Songs chart and uh, I guess given the Christian themes and and the sound it resonated with the Christian audience as well becoming a number four hit uh, on the Hot Christian Songs chart and even though you know uh, country songs can cross over in, into the pop territory a lot Kind of interesting, I thought, for the song to be a top 20 hit on the Hot 100. Um, I mean, Carrie Underwood didn't have much pop presence. I mean, this was her first song from her first album, so she'd only really had the Idol Coronation single before. Um, and not, not really an up-tempo-y kind of song. Not a song that necessarily lends itself to to an easy pop crossover, especially in the era of you know big hip-hop and R&B sounds in 2005. But um, a nice breakthrough for her, and of course that bodes well for the next couple of songs that with with this song making sort of those first inroads you've got some songs coming up later from the album that uh, just carry that flag and keep it going and uh, talking about how big Adila was for her to start with her first country single and go to number one on Hot Country Songs uh, no female artist would uh, come along and go to number one with her debut country hit uh, for about a decade it took uh, Kelsey Ballerini Love Me Like You Mean It in 2015 uh, that's how long it took for an artist to break through a female artist on that kind of level that Carrie Underwood did. And she also broke through on a big critical level as well. Uh, Jesus Take the Wheel winning two Grammy Awards for Best Female Country Vocal Performance and Best Country Song. So, you know, kind of rebuking people who may have thought of Idol as just a, a commercial powerhouse, just a teen show, just in it for the ratings. That, you know, proving that these winners are legitimate performers and contenders and can take some of these major awards as well. One of the people who believed in her right from the beginning was Simon Cowell. Uh, isn't he the one who said uh, after her her audition, he said, "You're going to become." I think he said the biggest idol ever. I, it may have been the audition, or it may have been one of the early performances. But yeah, yeah I think he said he, he predicted that she would go on to win the show, and I believe sell more albums or records than anybody else had. So, major prediction there, and. I guess if you must praise Simon Cowell, he proved to be pretty on the money. I mean, Carrie's been, uh, I mean, alongside with Kelly, you know, the most consistent and the biggest names by far to come out of the Idol playbook. Here's something to think about. If there had been no American Idol, there's a chance. Uh, Maybe there's no One Direction. Maybe there's no Fifth Harmony because maybe Simon Cowell's profile never rises to that point where he winds up uh, leading the Psycho label and we got those acts later. If you're if you're a harmonizer, directioner, and any of those groups of any of those you know shows that have come off, yeah, I mean maybe you owe a debt to summer two thousand two and Kelly Clarkson and and the generation before my generation who watched it for you. Who knew when we all hated Simon back then? He wound up giving us so much all these years later. Oh, and it's like kind of like a Gordon Ramsay thing, you know? You, he's a genius, but man, he can be rough. All right, let's uh, take a little break from the countdown because we have a special guest, actually two special guests, uh, an American Idol champion from 2011 season 10 Scotty McCreary he won that year over uh, a good friend actually uh, Lauren Elena 
And uh, Scotty just had his first number one hit uh, on the country airplay chart with five more minutes. So uh, even uh, uh, seven years later, after winning Idol, still uh, coming through with new chart breakthroughs. So congratulations uh, on that. Uh, on the new uh, label that's uh, recently been put together, Triple Tigers. So uh, Scotty is here. Uh, Norbert Nix from the label is here. And Jim Asker, our country chart manager and uh, Billboard Chartbeat Nashville correspondent. Uh, they're all chatting about uh, Scotty's breakthrough to number one, American Idol, uh, how he started, you know, the background of his new song. So uh, let's uh, chat with an American Idol champion, Scotty McCrary, here on the Billboard Charpy Podcast. Then we'll come back with more of the countdown. We'll go from number 30 to number 21 this week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Time rolls by the clock, don't stop. I wish I had a few more drops of the good stuff, the good times. Hey everybody, it's Jim Asker from Billboard on the Chart Beat Podcast, and I'm very excited today because with us is uh, the one and only Scotty McCreary. Hello, hey, hello. Scotty. How you doing? And Norbert Nix. Hello. GM partner of Triple yeah, Tigers sure. Records, yeah. which was launched, what date? It was launched uh, last year. Uh, we launched it in uh, July last year. Right. Probably. Uh, but it was together before then, a few months. Uh, we were putting it all together before we hired the staff and then signed... Uh, a couple artists. I love this dynamic of the, having the executive and the artist. But um, Scotty, first Absolutely. thing I want to say is just congratulations on the success of. Thank you very much. By the time this airs, um, hopefully the single will already have been a Billboard number one. Yeah, fingers so, crossed. Congratulations. Fingers crossed. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> knock on wood. I appreciate it. Yes, knock on wood. Yeah, man. And um, it's just a great song. Uh, can we just start in, there's so much history with you. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, you're like... 24. 24. Is that... I've known Norbert longer than you're, you've been alive. That's about right. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yes, probably true. We've That's run a couple incredible. marathons together, by yes. the way. Oh, awesome. Norbert That's right. I'm, I'll both do those. Um. So I want to start with how you guys got together, first of all, and you ended up on Triple Tigers. And because you had been getting a lot of feedback already with streams and everything on this song. Sure. And Norbert, tell us how that came about. Well, the first time I heard the song, and I'm trying to remember exactly when that was, but I know 
when I heard it, I thought to myself, oh, my Lord, what? You know, Scott, this is Scotty McCreary's song. This is amazing. It's just an absolutely amazing song. And I know I know about, you know, feeling that and hearing that. And then then I called uh, um, Scotty's attorney to get together with him. So I wanted to get together with him. He didn't have a manager yet and he didn't have a label yet. So we had breakfast and we talked. And then the way this thing came down is uh, George Corey, one of our partners, um, heard the song, too. And eventually Scotty went with George for management and then. I called George. We talked about this. We're like, oh, my God, we have to do this. We have to sign Scotty McCreary. I mean, why is he available? First of all, secondly, he's got this great song. He must have more great music. And so uh, it happened. It was just perfect timing. It was perfect timing that we did that. So we put him on the roster, and it was great. It was a great day when that happened. Scotty, um, were you shopping around? Did you talk to other people, too, or how did this yeah, from we, your point of view, how did that? Yeah, we had talked to other down. labels uh, and talked to other management. It, it was a process. 2015 was when we wrote the song. Because previously and you were on Mercury Records Mercury after American Universal. Idol. Absolutely. So we'd been there f- since the beginning for me in 2011 and um, part of the ways there. And then so we had the song since 2015. Uh, 2016 was when we parted ways. And so we're sitting there with what I think is my favorite song, my best song I've ever written. And I... I'm just excited and, and antsy to get the song out there. I want people to hear it. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I remember the day Norbert called me um, and he was like, we're signing Scotty McCreary. And I said, okay, um, but you've got your launch act climbing up the charts. And it wasn't where you knew it was going to go top 10 or even or number one yet. And yeah, it was far away from that. And, yeah. and so, and then you're signing your second act. Were you a little worried about that? You're going to jump in with two acts right away and yeah, yeah, that was a new label. That was a big concern. That was the main concern that we really had to have a strategy for because we knew the song was so great, but you just can't, you know, as a new label, send two new singles out because I think the risk of failure is huge because if you lose both of them, then you're toast. And so we had a lot of work to do on uh, Russell Dickerson's yours was climbing up the chart and it was doing quite well, but we really felt like we had to insert this into the mix because of the timing of it. And the fact that, you know, Scotty's brand and who he is and what he means to radio and what he means to consumers and the way the song was reacting because they did go to radio and they've got really positive reaction from radio on this. So we had some information telling us it's not, you know, it's not that big of a risk in the sense that we could lose it at all. And, and it kind of added um, artillery for you with the Russell, having Scotty then join the label. And uh, uh, listeners probably would, would not know this, but Norbert had a zillion years of experience at Sony and, and at Mercury. A, and you probably knew that going that in, right? Me, yeah. Joining an indie label, but with powerhouse That's what I told executives. everybody. Yeah, because, I mean, when we first signed up, I was telling everybody, we signed with Triple Tigers, and they'd be like, Triple who? I was like, they're, they're, they're a new label. They're a brand new label. But when I met the staff, I mean, they are, my words to everybody, were they're, they're set up to win. And Kevin the Herring's the head of Kevin, promotion. Yeah, and he's absolutely. been here. He's been around at Warner and Lyric Street and yeah. on and on. But the song had a lot of streaming and digital download activity already, correct? A little bit there. The, the biggest thing that was such a big reaction was YouTube. We put a debuted the song on the Grand Ole Opry and the Opry put it on YouTube. We, we didn't even know they were going to do that. And all of a sudden, before we know it, I wake up the next morning and I see on Facebook, I'm the number one trending topic. And I'm like, what did I do last night? You know, did I mess something up? But yeah, I found out great. it was all about five more minutes in the song and people were sharing it. And 
uh, it was millions of views before we even knew it. So and it was you like, co-wrote the song. Yeah, co-wrote with, with Frank Rogers and Monica as well. And um, tell us, everybody who does might not have heard it yet, um, and we'll hopefully get on it as soon as they hear this, but sure. tell us what the song's about. Yeah, well, we had sat down. I'd been in Nashville writing for the new record for a while, and uh, I just lost my granddaddy Bill, and uh, he was he was my guy. Like, he was just cool cat, you know, 85 years old, doing cannonballs in the backyard wow. pool. Like, he, he was awesome. <laughs> so uh, loved him. was just kind of talking to Frank and Monty about him and the things we used to do and golf together. And uh, Monty was the one that actually said, man, it's just like you wanted five more minutes with the guy. And I was like, that's exactly it. That's the song we're going to write today. It's a great um, song. Thank you. Um, just Amen. as a listener, when I first heard it, uh, and I didn't hear it right away until, sure. um, you know, I do the chart um, at Billboard, the country airplay chart and the hot country songs and streaming and digital. And I had seen it on the chart, but I listened to it after the fact a little bit. Um, and your voice just kind of explodes out of the speakers. You've got that Thank dominating you, voice. And what I love about it is, you know, we've got a lot of pop influence on the chart. Sure. which is great. Um, it's always been a great melting pot of this and that. Mm-hmm. And you are, it's a country record right off the bat. You know, this is a country song. Thank you, man. I think at the core of country, no matter what, you know, different sound elements might come, the core of country music will always still be about the story of a song. Mm-hmm. That's going to be what, what country always comes back to. And, and you uh, didn't come to town to be a writer, right? Or, not originally. Or I had written some stuff when I was younger, just, you know, those young 15 year old Taylor Swift breakup songs, you know, when I, when I was, before I'd even done Idol or anything. Um, but coming to town, my first record, I didn't, I didn't write anything. Of course, I made a record in two months and didn't know what in the world I was doing. Second record, I wrote a couple songs. See Tonight was my biggest hit up until five more minutes, and I wrote that one. Uh, but probably wrote two or three songs on the full record. And uh, now this new album we have coming out in March will... Uh, seasons Change. Seasons Change. Every every song on the whole record is, is a co-write of mine. You co-write all 11 songs. Yes, it's sir. A, it's a great album, by the way. Um, Thank you. And a cohesive record from track to track. Thank you. I think my favorite part about this record is that, it, well, number one, it's personal, but it kind of it, it flows together from the beginning to the end. And talk, there's one song in between talks about how you're not ready for a ring on my hand. And then it goes to This Is It, which is my engagement song, and then uh, Wrong Again, which is like, I never thought this was going to happen, but I'm wrong again. So. <laughs> Norbert, did you watch um, American Idol back when Scotty I did watch that season. I watched that season when and he was on it's like, it. oh, I'm going to sign this guy down the road. Yeah, no, never thought about that. I mean, you know, I just was amazed that at the time you were 16. Yeah, yeah 16 was, when I started. Um, yeah, when the show was cool. It was amazing. And, and it was, you know, again, when this happened, I knew that, and I knew that he was such a talent, and that combined with the song, the brand of who he is, was just amazing for us to have this opportunity. It was actually, we, you know, as a, as a team, David Macias and George Curry and Bruce Kalmick, we were all, you know, very pleased that we could, they had the opportunity to sign Scotty and to do this and to work with him on this song and the record. Like you said, Jim, the record's fabulous. So I, mean, I think, you know, there's follow ups, there's, it's what we call visceral content. It's very, you know, appealing to people. And now you're going over my head with the vocabulary. (laughs) Oh man, you know, I just love that word. Um, Did, was the album done when you, when you and Norbert got together and everybody else here? I don't think so. We still had some work to do. We had a, we had a, a good amount of songs that were written and everything. We'd only had, I think five more minutes and in between that were set. And then we had to go in the studio and, 
record nine more songs. I love the fact that um, 2011 American Idol, you and Lauren Elena, were you guys buddies? Yeah, by the way? yeah brother sister kind of relationship. We uh, two country acts. Which, that was great to have yeah, two country similar acts. backgrounds. And the biggest thing for us was we had to go to school every day when we were on the show. So we were in a room, probably a, a quarter of the size of the room, a small room. And uh, just me and her doing class together for three hours a day. So we, we became good friends. A bit tough to concentrate, I bet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Maybe yeah. you guys will do a duet one day. Maybe. We've always talked about it. I think if the opportunity presents itself down the road, you know, I would jump at, the, at it. And uh, you know, What, we'll what is it like, um, you know, having a number one? 2011, you're the star of American Idol. Now, this time later a number one and an album coming out highly anticipated. What's that like? Uh, you know, it's, it's two different highs. I would say, uh, coming off of, you know, the TV show, it, that was the biggest show in the world at that point. I mean, we had 30 million, 40 million people watching you know, votes were nuts. And, uh, so that was just, uh, a high of three months of hard work in an idle bubble. And all of a sudden, you know, it, it was the hottest thing out there and it was awesome. But, you know, we're, seven years removed from that and uh you want to be able to you know maintain your success you want to keep putting music out that people still think it's relevant and that they're still enjoying and uh that's hard work and it's a team effort i've got a lot of good people around me that are helping me and uh yeah you sure do yeah awesome I, people i've lived a lot of life since my last record it's oh. the opening line from your bio yeah um and so i'm reading that and go skimming over things and reading you know re going addressing your story that i knew pretty well anyway um for me it's like you're 24 years old yet you've lived all this life it's incredible it really is uh and I, my last record came out in 2013 and since then i've you know for anybody, 17 to 24, that's a lot of growing up, a mm -hmm. lot of years. There's yeah. a lot going on in those years. So move on, move out on your own. I went to college for a few years, uh, moved to Nashville here, have a place here, and uh, getting married this year, got robbed at gunpoint. And, you know, that, now that we're all okay, we look back on it, we're like, man, that was wild. But uh, honestly, just for life perspective, that that's great to go in and, and write about. So have lived a lot of life, and I guess you can see that on this record. But, yeah, it's definitely a different high now. This is it, this is now, this is what I've been talking about. Looking now, can't you see forever? So take my hand, just take it in. This is the moment we won't forget. On top of the world, here together. If there ever was a time for a perfect kiss. This is it. Talking with Scotty McCreary and Norbert Nix of the record label Triple Tigers, uh, where Scotty is recording, and the new album Seasons Change. Uh, March 16th is the street date. And um, did you guys strategize about when to put this out? I mean, did you just happen to say, oh, we'll do it the week after it goes number one? We thought it'd be uh, when we were actually peaking. Yeah. This single is blown up faster than we even thought. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's a little quicker than uh, than what we were anticipating, you know. And at the top, it's tough to calculate that exactly the way it is. But the big records like this one, you know, they start really ramping up here at the and top. Scotty and has had two number one albums on on our yeah, Billboard top two number one albums, albums. Yeah. Been, right? Debuting at number one, which is phenomenal. So uh, we're sitting in a conference room um, with 
all kinds of Sharpie notes on this table, on this board behind me. So is this where you sit and kind of strategize about? This was the war room, yes, for a moment. We sat in here and we have those notes up there about how to get to number one, how to, uh, you know, who's going to be up there, what the competition is, just all the aspects of it. Yeah. How, how often do you guys talk together um, or with other people at the label? Are you good now? Uh, yeah. And my manager, Scott Stillman, I think talks with everybody daily because yep. uh, I'm on the road. I'm out. Well, I am busy. I've never been this busy. And honestly. Scott, your manager at the Country Music Association, for how long were you? Uh, 10 years. Wow. So just your team, just a lot of background. Yeah, it's a team effort. I mean, from from smallest guy, biggest guy on the road here in Nashville, I mean, I've got a lot of good people. For the first time, I've, I've always had good folks around me, but for the first time, I really feel like it's one cohesive unit and we're all one one team, one goal, and we're, we're all really strategizing. We're on the same wavelength. It, it seems like everything's just clicking right now, which is which is really an awesome feeling. What's the second single? Second single is a song called This Is It. Great song. Thank you. What's it about? Uh, this is me and Gabby's engagement song. Uh, oh, what's her first name? Gabby. It's like Gabby, but they're from Louisiana. They've got that Cajun accent. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Gabby is her name. Luke Bryan called her Debbie, so anything's better than and, that. And is it true you guys met in kindergarten? Yeah, we grew up that, together. That's hard to even wrap your arms around, isn't it, Norbert? Yes. Norbert's been married five times. <laughs> not true, everybody. Not true. Just Once. kidding. Once. Just teasing. But you guys met in kindergarten, and then you're getting married in 2018. Yeah, we, we grew up together, and we were always around each other. And um, so met in kindergarten, middle school, high school, went to class together. And I'd always kind of had my eye on her, especially in high school. And then after the show, I got back and realized I'm going to be on tour, and I was on the road with Brad Paisley. And I was like, if, if I don't make my move now, then I'm going to miss my chance. So... Asked her out, and luckily she said yes. And six years later, we're going to get married this year. And congratulations! Uh, thank you. Thank and she's you, a nurse. You. She right? is. She works at Duke Hospital, uh, pediatric cardiac intensive care unit. Whoa. So I have learned not to complain about my days because I, you know, what I do, for, I'm, I sing for a living. And a lot of times, I play golf before I sing. And so I say, man, I'm I'm tired today, Gabby. And she'll say, <laughs> really, I helped a baby with open heart surgery today. Tell me more about how tired you are. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll probably I'll probably stay quiet on that. Do you know the date of the wedding yet? Uh, we do. We're keeping it on the DL, uh, but we're going well, out. Well, I'm going to make you the same offer I offered Marin Morris. I'll sp- glad to give you the discount spin records at your reception if you want. Uh, oh, well, thank Norbert you and nice. I will do it together. We will do it. Very cool. All right. I don't know how to do a little bit of that. Deal? Of Cool. Perfect. What, what kind of um, touring plans are there? Uh, we're out all year. We're doing a lot of headlining stuff on my own. We'll open up for a few acts out there. Um, but right now we're doing a lot of headlining stuff and some, you know, good sized theaters. And it's amazing when you have a single that's peaking, the difference it makes than when you haven't had a song doing anything for a little while. Crowds are showing up, selling out again. And it's, uh, it, we've got some heat going on the road right now. So it's really, really fun. I, I want to ask Norbert about, um, you know, there's a lot of radio visits that go on with new artists and yeah. um, country radio is still the platform for country music uh, about discovering new music. And, some programmers, people who program country music, probably were not. A lot of them come from top forty and um, other formats. Did you have to reintroduce him to some of these people? That's a good question. Um, you know, we did to a certain degree, but they were quickly aware of who he was and the brand. And then, you know, the song is always the element that introduces itself first. So when they hear the song, they're immediately, oh man, this is a great song. And then when they figure out who he is and where he's come from, it's very quick that they know that 
it's you know it's going to work and that it's a good thing for them to know who he is and play the record but you know they they they're pretty smart Right, programmers are pretty smart, Jimmy. Well, they, I was. I don't know about these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. They know the hits. They they do. I mean, and, and I well, say a hit's that, a you know, hit. I used to say. Right, right. I used to say, uh, you know, I'll play a Gregorian chant if it gets me ratings. I don't really care. Sure. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you're hearing a hit record, um, or you're not. And that song, Five More Minutes, is a hit as soon as you you hear it. Well, um, thank you. What thank I love you. is the, is the story song, and. So what's your take on country music today from, from when you started on Idol to now? Uh, it's changed. Just the format in general has changed so much from when I first started. From my last record, in, it's changed In what ways? Uh, think. I think, talking about the sound of it or just, yeah, just the, the business of it? or well, uh, You know, I'm a fan. I know I, the business. Uh, we can get into that in a second. But the, sure. the sound, uh, it's kind of always been a melting pot, right? Yeah, a little and, traditional, a little pop, a little rock. Yeah, and for me, I grew up, I mean, when I was growing up, my mom was playing Conway Twitty and George Jones and, and those kind of records in my house. But uh, I grew up in the public school system in North Carolina, and I, I went to Garner High, and it's a melting pot school. So my friends, we were listening to country music, but we were also listening to rap and hip-hop and R&B and pop. And so, and I was fans of it all. I mean, I got all those songs on my on my iPhone. So, uh, And you still visit radio stations, I, I'm sure, right? Yeah, yeah, every chance we get. I mean, this whole last week, that's what we were doing on the road. At country radio seminar, were you? Were yeah, you at the we um, CRS? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And and Lauren Elena, um, your friend, my friend, um, I love Lauren. And, Heard she kicked um, butt. At yeah. the New Faces show, which is, for anybody who doesn't know, how would you explain New Faces show, Norbert, it's, to, to it's, somebody who would not know? It's uh, it's a performance um, night of five different artists that the industry picks as the up-and-coming rising new stars. And they perform three of their new songs, and everybody sits in a big ballroom, and they watch these people. And uh, it's a it's a great time because it's hard to really pick a winner out of that because you know those are the five best you know new talents that are out there. So it's it's good to see, and and some great talent yeah, this year, absolutely. Carly Pierce and Midland, and uh, we all rated people at our table. You know, one through five, all the Billboard people. Um, my friend's colleague from Billboard, and I, and I put Lauren number one because I just thought she just knocked it out of the park. And with that, I just, as Norbert explained it, I, I was asking Kevin Herring downstairs, that, um, would Scotty be on that? Would he want to do that show next year? It was kind of, you know, Lauren had a number one on her sixth single. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of the same kind of timeline with you. And that's so weird to me that you were both on American Idol. And you're it's both interesting had- how the timelines work, and I really think it's just, I'm not sure if it's natural or what, but when we both started, she was 15, I was 16 on the show. And I mean, I know for myself, I won't speak for her, but I didn't have a clue what the business was all about or what I wanted to sing about at that age. But, you know, you grow up, you live a little life and you learn a little bit more than you knew back then. And uh, you can write about more stuff and, and write a little bit more. Were there any points where you thought, uh, I'm just going to walk away from it on the show or in, business in, in, in general, general, in the uh, Hollywood week on the show, I thought I was just going to go home because I didn't. It was a terrible week. Uh, but in the business, no, I, I'm a competitor. At, 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 I'm a singer and I'm an artist, but at the core of who I am, I, I'm a competitor. I grew up playing baseball and golf, and I want to. I want to beat people. It's not, uh, that's just. It's just who I am. Norbert's so. got that same competitive. That's what I, I love I've, about I've, this guy. I've actually yeah. run marathons with Norbert, so I know he. Um, yeah, I would finish two hours behind him. So oh, really, he's so. got that competitive streak um did anybody happen to say the song's too country at first because it's a country record no i mean there was there was uh there was a little bit of um 
that they, they weren't sure where Scotty was now at this point in his career. And, and when we were talking about, you know, when we first signed him, the fact that you were 23, I think, or 24, that you were 23 at that point, 24, you know, is younger than most new artists that are signed. Right. And this journey you're talking about that he's gone through, which now he speaks through the songs. And that's what I love about it. Not only is A, competitor, but B, the songs he was writing was about real life. All the stuff he's been through, which, again, timing in this business, timing is everything. So he came to this to us with this amazing project of songs about life and his life. And they were real. And like I said before, visceral. So when radio hears that, they go, oh, my God, the song's great. We've got to get on board because it's a hit. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And that's the one thing that when I was in radio, it didn't happen. Like you bring stories to the radio stations now that are you're, the songs being streamed. It's being sold. That's the part you talked about, probably that how that's changed. Oh, yeah. Since, since Launching the a record beginning. in 2018 is completely different than launching and, a record in 2013. And I must say, I got to have a lunch with Scotty and um, one of my Billboard colleagues, Tom Rowland. Um, and I don't know where the, the song was on the chart. It was just starting, Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, 50s, and, yeah. and we're sitting there having lunch, and I've noticed all these people looking over um, at Scotty like everybody recognizes him. Um, mm-hmm. You got that. And, and this week, I just have to say, I w- when I was telling my friends uh, from the brunt, you know, I have a lot of 20-something friends. I'm like, mm-hmm. I have to do an interview with Scotty McCreary this week. Oh, I love him. That's awesome, always man. the reaction. So cool. I, he's really well-liked, isn't he, Bike? Yeah, yeah. He, he's real, you know. And, and, as a person. And, yeah. and, right. Amazingly so. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's usually in this business, um, it's a very pressured job being an artist. It's a very pressured job. I mean, there's a lot of demands and, you know, and people change and it's really hard to make it, if you will, in this business as an artist. How old but is Russell Dickerson? He's 29. Oh, he's actually older than. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. my point. Yeah. It's like, you know, Scotty's still 24. It's, it's unbelievable. Hmm. Yeah, it's a cool position to be in and, yeah. and to have a good team around us is, is awesome. talking about your success on the radio chart i have to say that um on our hybrid chart your song was top five this week really? hot country songs which is the derivative of the billboard hot 100 our main chart you know yeah. so it's a combination of streaming sales and radio and that means and i've seen songs that are radio hits but don't go that high on the hybrid chart oh, really? um, okay. and your song is top five now Meaning it's a it's a huge consumption hit already. Um, awesome, man! And and that's got to be feel really good. Is that it's it's being consumed by by the fans? Right? Yeah, I think that was another early sign that we had for the song was when, even when we were in the fifties or whatever. It was selling stream or sales per spin was like top five or something. Yep. We're like, man, people are when they hear the song, they respond to it, and that that's what you want people to to do when they hear a song. I I vote for the title song being a single. I think that. Seasons change. It's a hit record. I love that one, man. That was the first song I wrote coming back from losing the, the label deal with Universal. And oh, was, really? Yeah, That's it was the story. first song I wrote for this record. And and I was talking to the co-writers, um, James McNair and Tommy C. So I was like, you know, guys, hey, things happen in life. You just got to come out of it alive and 
and feel good. And, you know, life's all about it's that roller coaster ups and downs. And uh, 2016 for me was definitely the down part. It wasn't fun. I didn't have fun that year. But, you know, come out of that, the competitor, and you got to come out refreshed and got a new label deal and management and everything's rocking and rolling. And season's changed and we're, we're having a heck of a lot of fun right it's now. It's an appropriate title. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you always writing? I try to be. I'm at least always thinking of ideas. You know, I, I, the way I do it, I love to come to Nashville for a week or two and just write every day. And then I might let my brain refresh and recharge. And Do you write by that. yourself sometimes, too, or always with partners? Every now and then. A lot in my room by myself. But most of the time when I'm finishing a song or do a full song, I'll... Uh, I'll have co-writers in there. Are you an observer, like you're on the golf course, you're in a restaurant of things that you tuck away and that become songs later? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a whole list on the iPhone of different titles, hooks, and I'll look back a year ago and I'll, later and I'll be like, what the heck was that? That's terrible. And delete that. But, you know, in the moment, you're always trying to think of different ideas. No, you, do you write songs? Because you're doesn't uh, everybody you, in Nashville write I songs? I don't write songs. No, I think they all do. Everybody does. <laughs> right. You do though, huh? Yeah, I fool around sometimes with songs, but I don't know if I. Call what them instrument songs. do you play? I have a music degree, so I play bass and guitar and keyboards and all that stuff. So ah, it's, see, I've known Norbert a long time, and I never knew so, you had a music degree. Yeah. There we go. If one of the guys in the band ever has to sub out, we can just right, bring exactly. you on the road, man. All right, so each of you tell me what's uh, going to happen for 2018 we should be excited about. You go first, Norbert. I think we should be excited about all the great music that's coming out and, um, you know, about the compelling artists that are coming out. But, you know, and for us particularly at Triple Tigers, um, you know, the records are deep. The songs, the, the beginning songs, we've had a really a great start on this, you know, two number ones in a row by these guys, uh, by Russell and, and Scotty. And, you know, I think historically maybe that hasn't happened before. But, you know, we look at this and we move on and we say, OK, 2018, that's a really great start. So the great part about it is continuing the journey you know the second singles the third singles the, the content that these guys you, have written. you're already thinking about Go. the next album absolutely you are we're, yeah we're, we're all the way down the road to you know we're trying to think ahead you've already got the fourth album out yeah we're, yeah yeah <laughs> yes yeah, greatest hits no but yeah, truthfully we're we're excited about the music and about you know continuing the upward you know spike there keep going you know scotty 2018 2018 i think that's just my uh I don't know if it's comeback year or what, but I mean, it, we were away for a little bit and I'm coming back with my biggest hit yet. And on the road, like I said, crowds are filling up the places we're playing and it's really been fun. So uh, I, I'm just re-energized more than anything. I, I'm re-energized and I'm having What's a What's that like time. when you're singing a song like five more minutes and everybody's singing it back to you? There's nothing like it. There's nothing. We just added in a part for the show where we give them the whole last chorus. They take it themselves and... And they're they're screaming it back to us right now, which uh, that's got to be something, huh? Yeah, as as a writer, number one, just to know that they appreciate what you wrote and what you were feeling that day when you were writing it, that's awesome. But then it's just an artist to, to know that your your songs are getting heard and that people are coming to your shows to sing it back to you. Uh, I've never really had that before. Uh, we've had songs do well and go platinum stuff, but never number one where they're really they they just know it. So. Is uh, Gabby pronounce your wife's name? Gabby. There you go. Gabby. There you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, there you go. I'm actually from Louisiana. <laughs> really? No. Oh, okay. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> I was just going to ask, if, um, you know, you, you have a lot of female fans. How so, is she with, with you being on the road with all Oh, that? she's cool. And she knows there's, I mean, there's there's nothing there. And, and really, my, my fans, sure, we have the young females, but we've really got strollers to wheelchairs. We see everything in my shows, which is different than your typical young country artist, I would say. 
Uh, but that that's an effect of the show, number one, but just you know, the music and the brand, I guess. But, uh, yeah, she's all good. And she'll come on the road every now and then. She's busy. She's a nurse, but every now and then. I want to ask you, you know, we're in an age of pop collaborations with country artists and pop. Sure. Maren Morris is on one. Stapleton is on one right now with Justin Timberlake and B.B. Rexa is at the top of our Hot Country Songs chart with That's FGL. Right. Well, is there a pop star you would collaborate with? I'm sure if if the right thing came along. Uh, I mean, I'm a fan of a lot of those folks. But my voice in particular, deep country sounding, might not lend itself quite to a pop country collaboration. It could if the, if the right thing. I don't know. Came. I think some of them would love it. Really? Okay. If the right thing came along, you know, I, I, I that BB Rexa song to me sounds like a Florida Georgia Line hit. It does, you know, yeah. and she's lucky to be on there with with them. To to me, I always think, wow, that pop star is lucky to have Marin Morris, sure, oh, singing yeah. with them. You know, yeah, Marin's on top of the world right now; she's killing it. So yeah, she she really is. Norbert, how how do you feel about the country I feel, and pop collaborations? I think those are you know if they're natural, if they if they're natural, you know, like a hit is natural and becomes a hit, then. And he knows somebody, and it just kind of comes together. That's great. To force when, that, I don't know, because I think, you know. When Scotty's I was a country programmer, country. I want yeah. to tell you, because you, you know this, how I felt about it back at the time is I hated it when I was in radio. Right. We were territorial. Like, we did not want our country artists to be I remember that. drifting yeah. over to pop. Yep. <laughs> and there was that whole thing about, you know, you, you didn't want it. You didn't want the songs crossing over because you wanted them listening to your radio station because they like country music. Sure. And you didn't want them veering off. And I think now it's probably a different thing where kids are listening to all, especially younger people. They're not in a box anymore, and it's a little different. But at the same time, you want to be proud that it's your genre. You know, um, I I know even at Billboard, I'll argue with people all the time that I'll say, you know, you think it validates um, when one of our artists sings with a pop star. And that's not the case at all, you know, from. So we're always sticking up for the genre is what I'm saying. And when you hear your music, it's it's definitely country. Um, And I hope you enjoy that part of it. I do. It's it's who I am. So I think that's my favorite part about this record. But yeah, some of it is really up, you know, poppy and but with your staple on it. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. We, we definitely tried out some new sounds with this, and uh, Kevin was talking about it last week. I think my, one of my favorite parts about this record is that pretty much every song, it's it's me. I'm I'm the only one that can sing the song because it's about my personal life. You know, in my previous records, you know, I might have the second hold on this song, but you know, McGraw's got the hold on this one. So if he wants to do it, then he's got it. But for this stuff, if I write and it's it's me and Gabby's song, or it's me and my friends from back home, and you know, nobody else can sing that, so mm-hmm. I really I really love that. Well, I, I just want to wish you more success down the road. By the way, you're wearing a hoodie that says Garth Brooks Ireland. Were you there with Garth? No, he actually canceled these shows because they were I doing five. That. But I have the same merchandise guy as him, so I got to go in the warehouse and pick <laughs> it out. <laughs> it's cool. Um, I just want to thank you for coming on today with us. Um, Absolutely. Scotty McCreary, the new album, Seasons Change. The release date is March 16th. All the luck in the world to you, although I don't think you need it at this point. But um, we'll, take it. we'll take it. Congratulations <laughs> on all your success. So happy for you. Thank you very much. And Norbert, I'm happy for you, too. Thanks, Jim. Um, I've known Norbert a long time um, when he was working me on records, and we've been friends a long time, and I'm just um, so happy for your success here at Triple Tigers. Thanks, Jim. Um, with Russell, I mean, the Russell record is tremendous. It's a hit. Um, and you know, I just think it's really great for you. 
So. It's, we're having fun right now. You know, that's it's a good thing. All right. Well, good luck to you both down the road. Okay. Thank Look forward you to much. talking to you again. This is Jim Asker on the Billboard Chart Beat Podcast. Silly. Standing with my arms stretched open wide. I love you this big. Eyes I've never seen this big. No one's ever dreamed this big. And I'll spend the rest of my life Explaining what words cannot describe But I'll try I love you this big Remember that song? I love you this big, Scotty McCreary That was his, uh, his coronation song I, I fell into this idle void Maybe after the season Like uh, David Cook won Just and, when I started And it's like two ships I, passing I, in the night. I drive people away. Uh, so, <laughs> I well, I'll let you sort out that problem. All right. Uh, that was his, yeah, his his breakthrough hit, but now hitting new heights uh, with his new number one that we heard uh, earlier in the podcast. Five more minutes. Scotty McCurry, number one on uh, Country Airplay. Uh, kind of cool, how he said. Uh, it's such a personal song written about uh, his grandfather, who uh, said that uh, 85 years old, uh, was still doing uh, cannonballs uh, in the pool at that age. So it was just a really cool guy to be doing that at 85 so for him to write a song that celebrates that life that's pretty nice makes it even more personal to, to get a number one but it's uh but when it's something that means that much to you that makes it even better i guess personal it kind of kind of leads in nicely to number 30 that's that's it's a good personal song coming up uh from winner of season five taylor hicks gonna kick us off here back on a countdown of the top 40 american idol hits of all time on the billboard hot 100 here we go, numbers 30 through 26.
numbers 30 through 26 on the Billboard Hot 100 for American Idol contestants. We're looking back at the 40 biggest hits by contestants from season one back in 2002 all the way to the present. Now that Idol is back, we're doing a uh, two-week special here on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Number 30, uh, champion from season five, 2006. Uh, just like we were saying before, uh, early uh, summer was the week when an American Idol champion would pretty much every week in the mid-2000s debut at number one. Taylor Hicks, Do I Make You Proud, did that in 2006. Yeah, it was kind of the, I mean, little did we know at the time, the the end of the era. This this was one we had seen season two, Clay did it, season three, Fantasia, season four, Carrie Underwood. Taylor is the last one. That's right. To send his coronation single uh, to number one on the Hot 100. So, you know, how could we have known back then, but it was the end of an era. Yeah. I just liked it. There's an idol with gray hair. I can appreciate it. Yeah, I was going to say, I was trying to think of, you know, if you if you want to say, quote, where did Taylor go wrong? I mean, he kind of had a, a certainly more an adult-leaning sound, an adult-leaning look. You know, and the appeal was a little older, I think, than, you know, certainly Kelly Clarkson or even a Fantasia. And, I mean, maybe that, I mean, it kind of had that blue-eyed soul moment. Again, a hard sell yeah, it, in an era right. where, you know... Women. Lil John yeah. and T Pain and, and women Timbaland. and women pop stars. It was the era when Taylor Swift and Katy Perry and Rihanna were taken over. So, uh, other than someone like Daughtry who was with a band, it was, was kind of tough at that point for a male pop rock artist to, to fully break through. So, I think that was part of it. Yeah, yeah. Number twenty nine on our countdown. One step at a time from Jordan Sparks, another winner. Uh, she was the next uh, winner, season six in two thousand seven. It was a number seventeen hit on the Hot One Hundred. Uh, look at the writers of this song, co writer was Robbie Neville. So, really catchy song. I always thought this was a really a catchy pop hit. And uh, the pedigree of the, one of the writers, Robbie Neville, if you remember, in uh, 1987, he had number two with this song. piece of C'est La Vie by Robbie Neville. So uh, a couple uh, decades after having a number two hit uh, on his own, he was writing uh, hits for other artists, one step at a time for Jordan Sparks. Uh, number 28 on our countdown, Daughtry uh, once again. So uh, there's more Daughtry coming up, but this is another one over you. Uh, one of nine adult pop songs top tens that uh, Daughtry uh, had great run. Uh, 2007, this song hit uh, the top 20 on the Hot 100. Uh, moving on to number 27, another winner season that's going in order from uh, taylor hicks to uh, jordan sparks david cook he's the next season uh, season seven 2008 he was the winner uh, this song uh, number three hit on the hot 100 in 2008 he's uh, he's one of my favorite idols so many of the songs he did in his run and that was the first season i was really watching he he really did some inventive versions of songs that you'd known some ways and he just put a totally different spin on them and uh, mariah fan that i am i have to mention let's play a little clip of uh, his version of always be my baby you'll always be a part of me i'm part of you indefinitely girl don't you know you can't escape me oh darling cause you'll always be my baby and we'll linger on Time can't erase a feeling that's strong No way you're never gonna shake me Ooh, darling, cause you'll always be my baby What do you think of that? 
version he uh, took it totally turned it into this this haunting rock ballad yeah uh, I remember just being like you said so just so impressed I mean when he they would announce you know here he comes here comes David Cook to sing Always Be My Baby you kind of think okay how is this going to work this sort of you know fluffy pop R&B song I mean written in a high very high key how is this you know rock leaning guy gonna do this and he would just tear it up and just make it sound so good and and I guess you have to say credit to not only himself for you know thinking of these new arrangements but and also you know credit to him for just goes to show that a really good pop song or any song at its core can be sort of twisted and, and changed in these ways that uh break from the original that you don't have to do it this one certain way I mean this is such a good song you can do it as a rock song you could do it as a, I don't know an opera country song whatever I will say um to counter to counter the lambness in Gary um when David Cook was on the show he also did a to m- I mean in my opinion an awesome cover of Michael Jackson's Billie Jean obviously everyone knows what Billie Jean sounds like as done by Michael Jackson here it is as done by David Cook Both sides, it's one thing to take a song that was done one version, totally mix it up because then you don't have the comparison to the original. But uh, he also proved he could do a song in the same style as an original that would be very tough to compete with. Uh, remember, uh, he did a cover of uh, from Phantom of the Opera of Music of the Night. So it didn't change anything there. He, he did a straight ballad version, but you could you could go horribly wrong trying to do uh, that song. He again, he, he did that really well, uh, same as the original, pretty much. But showed showed his vocal chops on that one. All right, that's David Cook portion of the countdown. Uh, moving up to number twenty six, Never Again, uh, top ten hit, number eight, two thousand seven. But as you referenced before, uh, Trevor, it's from her album uh, after Breakaway, her third album by December that. Uh, did underwhelmingly compared to Breakaway, and it's really on purpose. She wanted to do something a little different, a little rockier uh, on that uh, song, so still got to the top ten, and uh, if nothing else, maybe uh, satisfied her creative uh, urges at that point. Yeah, I mean, this was one I know some Kelly fans were torn against. I mean, obviously we were all really waiting for the single. It debuted at number eight, so it just goes to show what the anticipation was like, and yeah, I mean, it was a like I said, it was, a, it was a good personal statement. I'm sure she does, has no regrets making it, and there's no reason to. But yeah, it did not have the same commercial life, and it goes to show. I think that you know, it's all. I mean, a consistent battle. I think between you know artists and labels, between vision and sort of hit making. Um, I mean, it seems like obviously the vision won out in this one, but 
nice to know that it didn't sabotage her career because sometimes you know one one album that underperforms and that can be the end of you I mean she really bounced back um, you know having number one hits on both of her next two albums so just goes to show that you can never count an artist like Kelly out we have proof uh, that she did go on after that uh, coming up now so we move on uh, number 25 through number 21 on our look back at the 40 biggest Hot 100 hits by American Idols would you wish you would have done yeah we gotta stop Time we've been giving it, this is all we got, and we gotta stop thinking it. Every second counts on the clock that's ticking. Gotta live like we're dying. We got 86, 400 seconds in a day to turn it all around or to throw it all away. Gotta tell them that we love them while we got the chance to say. Gotta live like we're dying. Why we gotta fuck for it now? I never meant to stop. to the last portion of this week's countdown of the top 40 American Idol hits of all time on Hot 100. Uh, We're going to wrap things up for this episode with 25 through 21. And at number 25, you guys just heard Live Like We're Dying by Chris Allen. Uh, So we had just two songs ago, David Cook, uh, the season seven winner. So now we're going to one up that with the season eight winner, uh, Live Like We're Dying, a number 18 hit on the Hot 100 back in 2010. And Chris Allen also, you know, a little bit of controversy with, with how he won. Um, he beat out Adam Lambert in that season, who I think many people had pegged to win, um, if nothing else. I mean, obviously his vocals were amazing, but his personality, his outlandishness, obviously would have been a huge victory for the LGBT community. And this is also kind of the time where that sort of white guys with guitars trope starts to play in. We had David Cook, who had won the year before, in that kind of vein. Chris Allen as well. Going forward, it'll be Scotty McCreary, Philip Phillips. A lot of that was uh, was sort of assumed that it was young female voters who were driving the voting, so that's why you got uh, some of these uh, young guys who would win but for Chris Allen interestingly enough Live Like We're Dying um, 
as we've seen with a lot of these songs, lead single from the first album. This song, believe it or not, was actually originally recorded by the script and was a bonus track on um, some editions of their debut album. So most fans didn't know about it. Not a huge hit. Chris takes it on as a cover. Uh, also gets a big radio breakthrough. Uh, number 10 hit on the Pop Songs chart, which actually makes him the first male idol winner to hit the top 10 on the Pop Songs chart. Yeah. So um, something that, that a few of the women had done before. Kelly Clarkson, obviously, Jordan Sparks. Uh, but Chris making that breakthrough for the men eight seasons in. Uh, just above Chris, talking and speaking of Jordan, there she is at number 24 on this countdown uh, with the song Battlefield, a number 10 hit back in 2009. Uh, this song was the lead single off her second album, also called Battlefield. Uh, interesting kind of, you know, interesting something I kind of just found out about this song. Uh, written by the four-piece of Ryan Tedder, who obviously in that particular moment probably maybe even the biggest songwriter of, of, of the era I mean he's this is the guy writing Beyonce's Halo someone hits for One Republic Bleeding Love uh, for Leona Lewis the year a couple years before so I mean he's the guy to go to uh, also written by Sam Waters Wayne Wilkin Lewis Bianchiello sorry my Italian is not very good um, interestingly enough three of those, those last guys the non-Ryan Tedder guys also wrote the song Energy by Carrie Hilson with, with, with Rico Love as well. Uh, let me know if you can spot any kind of similarity between the two. Uh, we'll start with the song that first came out, Energy. And now here's Battlefield. You think, you know, interest, I mean, interesting that they just. Do you study um, those hooks come a little, little, little close? I mean, obviously, three of the four, three of the four guys are the same, so maybe they, you know. Do you study music law at Vanderbilt? Are you trying to get a plagiarism <laughs> lawsuit going on here? I don't know. I mean, obviously, um, as we'll talk about next week with another idol big hit, there's another song on this countdown by a big idol artist who, uh, People found a little too similar to a Queen Bee song as well that may have gotten this writer in some hot water. So, just kind of interesting, you know. I, when I heard that sound, I was like, I know I've heard this before. Where is it? My favorite thing about Battlefield is how many uh, syllables she gets into field. Turns into like a three or four syllable. It's not just Battlefield. It's the field. It's a big field. It's drawn out. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. At number 23, moving up, we got Kelly Clarkson uh, with Mr. Know-It-All. And as we kind of mentioned a little earlier about the song Never Again, uh, this song introducing Kelly's fifth album and is a number 10 hit on the Hot 100. So proving that even after My December didn't pan out the way, I think neither Kelly nor her label wanted to. She still had plenty of life in her. Talking four years down the road, 2011, still in the top 10 of the Hot 100. The lead-in to her album, Stronger. So um, we know, obviously, how massive a hit that title cut was. That'll be coming up way towards the top end of this countdown. Um, but Kelly, I mean, again, 
almost a decade after she had won American Idol back in 2002, still producing top 10 material on the charts. And above Kelly Clarkson, uh, I guess this maybe is the moment for a little Adam Lambert revenge, uh, beaten by Chris Allen, who came in at number 25 on this countdown. At number 22, it is What Do You Want From Me by Adam Lambert. Another top 10 hit on the Hot 100, peaking at number 10 in the spring of 2010. Uh, This song, I think a lot of Pink fans will know, originally written by Pink uh, and Max Martin, intended for Pink's Funhouse album, did not make the cut. Adam got a hold of it and turned it into a a monster hit. Um, And if you hear the song, I think you can definitely tell the Pink touches are on it. I think she would have done a great job with it. She actually performed it live in a few of her concerts as well. But, I mean, Adam just, you know such a great vocalist it's hard to argue with his version as well since this is adam lambert's only song of the countdown we'll reveal that we just take a quick moment to play i always thought this song was really unique and also deserving to be a much bigger hit we'll give it a spotlight here remember uh for your entertainment Maybe if you feel like you've heard this song before, seen it somewhere in a pop culture moment, this was the song he performed at the American Music Awards with a performance um, that was, a you know, some people thought maybe a little too aggressive, a little too risque for, for you know, sort of a mainstream network award show. Um, there were a few complaints, definitely. I mean, he was... If for better or for worse, the talk of the, the day, the next day. Um, if you missed that performance at the closing of the show, you heard a lot about it the next day. There were a lot of parents, I think, who were really uh, not sure what to make of that. If you haven't seen the clip, just uh, just go watch it. It's <laughs> it's it's just a, a great three minute experience. And to close us out this week on our countdown of the top forty idol hits, we're gonna pause after number twenty one, which is Crush by David Archuleta. Uh, Number two, Smash, back in 2008. Uh, Archuleta is the season seven runner-up to David Cook, so it was the battle of the two Davids out there. Cook became victorious, but Archuleta got him on the Hot 100. Uh, David Cook's time of my life peaked at number three. Archuleta, his career high, is that number two debut for Crush. And Crush was actually not even David Archuleta's you know, coronation idol performance single. This was actually the first song off his debut album. So to debut at number two just goes to show like what an what an unusual committed sort of fan base there was out there for David Archuleta. I know we've been on Star Search before, so we'd had some following for the past couple of years, but for Crush to debut at number two, still to me, uh, just a great pop song, just yeah. fun. I mean, the kid is probably, I think he's not even 17, 18 at this time, but just obviously a powerhouse voice, and you just can't kind of help with that, sing that little the hook. I can't yeah. sing it, but you know, we, th- this is a song that you like sing in the shower, like roll your windows down, and you 
you just blare out loud. He did it well enough. I, I just remember uh, Simon Cowell would, would he would always be kind of tough on David Archuleta because he, he, he just said he was 17 years old. He was so young. He said something he was, like, he was definitely like a, like a nice yeah, guy, like a, right, like a mama's boy almost kind of guy. Saying, say something like you're, you're, if he tried to do something a little bit different, a little more aggressive, we'd say it's, a, it's like a poodle trying to be a lion or something. He, always, he would try to say in that typical uh, Simon way. I think he meant it in, in a good way. But uh, yeah, David uh, Archuleta found his sound on this song. It was just a perfect... Uh, perfect vocal, uh, great hook, uh, great song to end on for uh, part one. And so coming up next week, we have uh, the top 20. We will we'll continue our journey up to the number one song uh, by an American Idol of all time on the Hot 100. Uh, probably half a guess if you can guess who it's by, uh, but we'll be able to check some of those out. Um, a few other winners up there, and we will shake up. If you missed some of the uh, some names up there, Clay Aiken will be in next week's countdown. Of course, we'll see some more from Carrie Underwood, and don't worry, there is plenty more Kelly Clarkson to come. And uh, by the time uh, we tape that episode, and uh, by the time it airs, American Idol will have come back uh, Sunday night on ABC. So we'll recap uh, what Idol's like now here in uh, 2018. New judges, uh, some of these people who were uh, not even around on the charts when Idol first started in 2002. Katy Perry, we didn't know who she was uh, back then. Luke Bryan, we knew who Lionel Richie was. Uh, yeah, we had a good idea for Lionel Richie. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. don't worry, don't worry. We'll also keep an eye on the current Hot 100. Uh, if any shakeups happen, in particular some new debuts, I know maybe some people will be eyeing Top Off, DJ Khaled, Beyonce, Jay Z, Future, where that might show up next week. And of course, we'll keep uh, looking at Post Malone and Drake and seeing if that race gets any closer for the number one spot. If Post is lined up for his second number one in just six months, or if. God's plan has a different plan. Should we uh, go out with uh, a deep cut from Idol that's not in the top 40? Uh, that sounds perfectly appropriate to me. All right, I got one. Uh, big hit in 2004. Not in our top 40, but uh, let's uh, remember Kimberly Locke, Eighth World Wonder. Wrapping up this week's Billboard Charpy podcast. We'll continue uh, next week with numbers 20 through number one, the biggest Hot 100 hits by American Idols. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.